You are now listening to Discover Your Potential with renowned radio talk show host and certified holistic practitioner, Cindy Gilman. So listen, participate, be inspired. Know that you can discover your potential. Here she is, Cindy Gilman. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Discover Your Potential, and I'm Cindy Gilman. Thank you for spending this hour with me. I just want to say I genuinely appreciate all the listeners. I know some of you have been listening to past broadcasts, but today we are live and streaming. Wait, let me pinch myself. (laughs) Yes, we're live. We are live and streaming nationwide and worldwide. Thanks to modern technology, and especially thanks to Doug from BBS Radio. You will have the opportunity to call in if you care to. The number is 888-627-6008. I do want to thank Doug from BBS Radio for his expertise and helping to navigate this program. When you do call in, please give your real first name, or you may not get a real answer if someone else is listening with that name, and a specific topic or question and where you're calling from. Since this is National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I'd like to dedicate this program in honor and memory of my dear mother. She recovered from breast cancer, and we had her until she was 93. We miss her, and we love her, but we know she is with us. Yes, she's leaving nickels, and we are finding nickels in very unlikely places and times. And this she said before passing. I will send you nickels to let you know I'm around. This program, Discover Your Potential, is aimed to inspire, enlighten, encourage, and motivate you to look within and to listen to our wonderful guests, and you'll be hearing about their journey, their creative process, and how the universe has pointed them in a direction to live up to their potential. Some people ask me, why do you use the word potential? Well, potential indicates the many possibilities that are out there. And so we realize there is something more. If we feel that we are working or living in what we think is where we belong, something may occur and we realize there's something more we are to do. I myself found this to be the case, starting out as a child performer. You'll have the opportunity to hear from others about their journey. And as I mentioned, you're welcome to call and share your ideas. We have an absolutely wonderful guest today, Hobie Ford. Hobie Ford is golden rod puppets, but Hobie Ford is more than just a puppeteer. He's an engineer and an architect of sorts because not only has he been a puppeteer for 43 years as a puppet maker, puppet performer, he also creates and designs his own scenery. So he's a scenic designer as well. He writes his stories, so he's a storyteller, some of them about his own life experience. He travels throughout the world, through the U.S., doing performances and teaching workshops. He just returned from a whirlwind two-week tour around the country. 
so I am very grateful and appreciative of his time with us today. So it is my great pleasure to introduce to you Hobie Ford and Hobie Ford's Goldenrod Puppets. Jeepers, creepers, where'd you get those peepers? So, Hobie, where did you get the idea for those peepers? Well, peepers are a little set of eyeballs that you put on your horn to turn it into a puppet. A friend helped me get that toy together and get it patented and manufactured. Regina Marshider of, um, and, uh, here in, uh, nearby in Virginia Beach. And, uh, yeah, we, we launched this company, um, over 20 years ago. And, uh, well, she helped me with the patent, the very first patent. But, um, it's a, it's a toy that's traveled really all over the world. Um, it, and, uh, it, uh, it's a charming little puppet because you can put it in your pocket wherever you go. You can pull out right. these little set of eyes, put them on your hand, and, and entertain. And uh, um, sometimes I even make small gifts of them after the performance. Oh, nice. You know, I, I watched your video, and I was not only amazed, but I was mesmerized by your process. So, thank you. First of all, I, I'm your travels, your the show, the shows that you've put together um, after your travels and stay at the Native American community. Your program, Turtle Island Tales, and only someone who is familiar with Native American customs would understand what Turtle Island represents. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your process. Tell us about your travels. We want to hear everything. Okay, well, um, I guess it all started... um, I was in art college uh, studying to be a visual artist in 1975, but uh, the the art scene back then was working with, with lots of abstraction and uh, I went to an art show one night, and I thought I was in the wrong building, and then someone pointed out there was a red string running through the building, and I mm-hmm. just didn't get it. I didn't get it, and I thought, you know, a lot of these people, my, my uh, fellow students, really are into abstract art, and it just really didn't do anything for me. Uh, and so I was sort of reconsidering what I would do, and on New Year's Eve in 1975, I closed my eyes, and thought, if I get a good idea, I will give it a try. Mm-hmm. And so I had been reading uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's autobiography of a yogi, and uh-huh. uh, his face popped into my head, and mm. and I thought, oh, I'll I'll paint portraits of yoga yogi masters and enlightened masters. And then in in my in my imagination, I imagined that his face was a marionette face. And instantly my mind went back to being in the fifth grade when a marionette show came to my uh, boarding school. And uh, I was the kid who got to help set up the show because uh, I always had my homework done because you couldn't go home that weekend and I was very homesick if you, if you didn't do all your homework. So the reward was I got to do help this puppeteer load in. And uh, I would later find out that he was a, a very accomplished, renowned marionettist. Um, in the New England area, um, uh, part of the National Marionette Theater, uh, David Sorodiak Sr. Yeah, David Sorodiak Sr. And uh, so really right away, I just, I dove right into marionettes when I got back to college and um, struggling with marionettes, I went into New York City and there I met, uh, from the phone book, I met the... uh, the, um, the creator of the Lonely Goat Herd scene from the Sound of Music movie. Oh, yes. Uh, his name was Bill Baird, and uh, he was sort of the Jim Henson of the time. And uh, w- when I went up to get his, uh, uh, he had a wonderful book, and I had the library books version. I thought, well, I'll get him to autograph that. And he asked me my name, and I said, Hobie Ford. And he looked at me, and he said, you're from Rowayton, Connecticut. I knew your grandfather. Don't you move. And uh, Wow. When he came back, uh, when uh, he he visited all his fans and they uh, left, and I was there in the theater, and 
he explained to me that um, many, many years, a decade or two before, he had met my grandfather on a sailboat, and sailors would pull their boats up together um, sometime in the evenings. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, so on one side, Bill Baird pulled up, and of all people, on the other side, Buckminster Fuller pulled up. Hmm. And Buckminster Fuller had a, a um, cuboctahedron, this polyhedron uh, model that he was playing with, made out of dowels and, and rubber surgical rubber tubing uh, uh, vertices. And, and Bill liked it so much that uh, he created a puppet from it that uh, was a classic number in his variety show after the show. So um, Bill showed me how to string my marionette. I was having troubles with it, and he, he took me through his studio and brought me through a process in about an hour and a half, show, got me started, and, and it was a big, um, it was a huge inspiration, and uh, so I was off and running. That's an interesting story. Now, for our audience, what are rod puppets? Okay, so rod puppets, you think of a marionette as a string puppet from above. Rod puppets are puppets generally operated from below or or nowadays from any direction um, using rods instead of your hand, let's say, and mm-hmm. uh, instead of strings. I mean, and I, I got I got into this type of puppet. Um, um, after that first spring semester at art college and getting launched into puppetry, I traveled west. I was going to go to California, and along the way, um, I met a Native American family, and they were uh, just in the beginning stages of building a small community. And, uh, and where was so a that? Lot of peop- that was out in Carlin, Nevada. It's on the mm-hmm. Nevada desert. And um, uh, lots of visitors would come through, some people, curious people from California, um, Native Americans just passing across the country. There was sort of a network of places they could come and stay and visit, know they could camp out or what have you. Who was the uh, Hopi? um, Well, there was one old man, a Hopi man, came through. His name was uh, Grandfather David Manangua, Mm. and he was a 104-year-old Hopi elder. Wow. And uh, a friend of mine from the community had been to his house and um uh the uh the man had recorded some of his songs for him and so when he got back to uh the desert community um we learned his songs and then and then a few months later great uh grandfather david arrived at the community he asked for a drum and he played us i had a drum so he borrowed my drum and was playing some songs and then he turned turned to a couple of us and said here you play a, play me a song so uh, a couple of us played him his own song that he had he had composed years ago, you know, uh, you know, forty, fifty years before that wow. moment. And um, and he looked at us and he said, "Oh, you know that one too." But of course, it was his own song, and so uh, <laughs> it was hilarious. And and we asked him, "Well, what does the song mean?" And he looked at us with a wry smile and he said, "Taking a big buckskin to the pawn shop." And <laughs> we all laughed. He uh, had a great sense of humor. He sounds like he was a trip. Oh, he was he was a teeny little man, but he was full of life and and uh, exuberance. And he lived um, uh, on a, on the Ho- one of the Hopi mesas in a community that had been there for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, on a was mesa. he a medicine man? Um, I wouldn't say so. No, no. He was a singer and he was a political activist. A number mm-hmm. of Native Americans had heard of a, a native a native prophecy of um, going to a big glass building in the east and talking with world leaders and mm-hmm. so they they went to several of these uh, native elders traveled to New York to the UN in the 60s before native rights were even really in the in the main buzz politically which really came about in the 70s more more like and um so they traveled, and uh, was Mad Dog Anderson, um, Rolling Thunder, um, and uh, uh, David Manangwa, and uh, the Hopi elder, and uh, a few others, I believe. But they went and gave a big talk about um, their prophecies of the importance of coming together, and and uh, um, so he he was, a, was a, I'd say a political activist, probably most known as. 
yes, they need to need it, and they still do need to be treated mm-hmm. with more respect. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So is this where you got the inspiration to write the, and do the show Turtle Island? Yeah, so I had left, after a couple of years, I left the community, and um, I, I was uh, a couple who had let, been at the community as well. We traveled to North Carolina and got a little cabin near my, my rod puppet mentor, um, who I was sort of apprenticing under loosely. And uh, um, we would sing the songs at night sometimes to remind us of, of the camp and all. And, uh, um, and the songs were really, you know, they were not just Shoshone where we were living. Uh, the Shoshone territory is where the camp was, um, not on a reservation. But a lot of people would come through the community, would bring their songs. And so I had all these songs, and then I heard a story or two, um, one from a Shumash elder, um, and uh, Grandfather Samu was his name, from uh, um, like Ojai, California area, um, Santa Barbara area. And uh, so uh, it, I had the idea to put together a show. I had built um, a Native American character and took it to a festival and um some of the henson people were there jim henson's uh, company mm-hmm. and uh they suggested i send some video to jim and that he might um fund a show and so um he agreed to fund the program and so i put together a show of of native american stories and songs um and and music uh pertaining to, you know, if there was a bear in the scene, I would add a bear song. And, and uh, there was a, 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 um, a, a bird, I would, I would do a bird song and, and uh, inject it into the, into the work. And it, it went over really well, and I performed it at the Kennedy Center. And these were um, ride puppets. These were shadow puppets, actually. Oh, shadow and, puppets. Yeah, and then there was a Native American character. And, you know, since, Cindy, I've, I've put that show away. Um, I feel like it's, you know, at the time, um, I felt like it was appropriate and good. And, right. and I was, right. I had seen some Native American material that done by non-natives that was pretty yes. off and offensive in ways. But eventually yep. I came to realize that, you know, even for me to be doing it was, was really not appropriate. And uh, um, I just didn't know any better at the time, but I feel like it's more important for um Native Americans to tell their stories, their and so story. I, so I was really sort of perpetrating a, a, a cultural appropriation of the material, even even though you know um, I'd been accepted into this community and whatnot. I, I felt like at a point that it was, um, you know, it was no longer, if it ever was appropriate, it wasn't really appropriate to do anymore now. You know, earlier today when I was outdoors. I saw a butterfly, I saw a monarch butterfly, mm-hmm. yeah. and a little bird, and I said, oh, today's Hobie Day. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's mm-hmm. sending me a monarch butterfly. Now, yeah. I know nature is very important to you, and yeah. can we talk a little bit about the show Seasong? Sure, sure. Yeah, so um, Seasong came along, um, I, had done a sh- I had done a couple of shows based on monarch butterflies. I had walked up on one ah. turning into a chrysalis at one time, and mm-hmm. and uh, that inspired a whole show about metamorphosis, and that inspired a show about their amazing migration to Mexico. That little one you saw is on its way to Mexico. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and uh, so um, about three years ago, my mother had passed away, and she was had really introduced me to nature, but especially to birds. She would take me as a teen, you know, we might get up at four in the morning and drive two hours to see a, an owl in someone's barn that it flew in there, a rare owl, or we would get up wow. at dawn and drive to the beach and, and go bird watching. And she was a photographer and um, taught me photography as well as we were doing this. And so I wonder um, if she what, sent me that monarch butterfly. Yeah, you never know, because she inspired me about monarch butterflies as well. But um, uh, it also goes back into the family. A great-grandfather had written a book about monarchs when he was a, a Harvard professor. He wrote the first book on milkweed butterflies, as they were called back then. So it was really a 
kind of a, a multi-generational interest. But on Your mother song, sounds like a wonderful person. Oh, she was a wonderful person. And, and um, so uh, I had a dream about a flock of pelicans. Mm-hmm. And there was a favorite beach in, in South Carolina that she would go to called Edisto Beach. And on Edisto Island, and uh, I would take my wife and young children there when they were growing up. And there was always this wonderful parade of pelicans that would fly by. And so in this dream, I dreamt of um, a fan-like structure. And on the end of each spoke of this fan, like a Japanese fan, was a little pelican. And in the dream, uh, all of the elements of engineering that I would need to know to make this puppet were in the dream. And so in the morning, I woke up and realized what I had dreamt and went down to my shop and made a little prototype of it. And it worked so perfectly, um, and it reminded me of her, of my mother. I decided to create a whole show based on this flock of pelicans, or really a jumping-off point. And um, I didn't want it to be um, biographical of her, but really sort of the essence of her. So, So the story I devised was about a boy who lives in the city and who's addicted to video games, as so many kids are today. It's a screen time is a real issue in our culture, um, okay. not for, for kids, but for adults. So uh, in the story, his father and mother send him to stay with his grandmother, um, who's inspired by my mother, who lived at a remote beach uh, away from the Internet and television and and. Uh, and there the boy gets inspired by her great love, which in the story is sea turtles. So mm-hmm. it's about the boy um, uh, going into nature, discovering nature for the first time, and getting inspired and getting away from his his uh, uh, video games and, and uh, exploring the richness of nature. Interesting. Now, this you've had other... Uh, this is so spiritual and empathic. You've had other dreams where you have dreamt about specific puppets to create in the materials you're to use. Yeah, and it, it's not a it's not a common experience for me. I mean, what what I will say, you know, I was I was just listening to a story about how important sleep is for us and how right. a lot of our creative creative energy comes from sleep and. And they even put into words the sort of thing that I do, which is when I'm working on a, a new puppet and I come across kind of like, well, how am I going to make that work, kind of engineering-wise or otherwise? Um, I'll sort of think about it before bed, and and then in the morning, invariably, the solution will pop into my head at some point, you know, in the first couple hours of the day. Um, so I've had dreams, though, that were more like... Uh, a reoccurring dream is going to a puppet festival, and yet everything that I see and is amazing in the dream are things that my imagination has thought up. And so, you know, several times I've woken in the morning and, and jotted down um, ideas that I would use later in performances. That's so empathic. I mean, it's it's telepathic. It's the idea that they come to you in your dreams, and then when you awaken, you're able to create them and create the material. And, and what comes to you is even the materials that you're to use. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, Joseph Campbell talked about, and Carl Jung uh, talked about um, the sort of zeitgeist idea, that, that ideas are just sort of out there in the ether. And many artists, you know, artists sort of are in tune with the zeitgeist. And so several people... You know, I've, I've, when I was creating my Native American show, another troupe on the other side of the country who I'd never known, um, they created a shadow puppet show of Native American stories the same year I did. And I thought, whoa, that was a coincidence. And uh, Nothing is a coincidence. Yeah. And, and so, <laughs> Nothing is know, a coincidence. The ideas are, are sort of out there in the ether, and, um, and then you just you, if either catch them or you don't, you know, and, and so, uh, um, yeah, very often I feel like, you know, when I was growing up, my mother was a Jungian into Carl Jung and had a whole mm-hmm. library of Jung, and she would go to Joseph Campbell lectures, and, and, 
she would always ask me in the morning, what did you dream? Tell me about your dreams. And um, uh, at a very young age, I, I began to have an appreciation of, of how the unconscious um, has ideas, uh, you know, for you. And, and, you know, when I was struggling, um, when I decided to become a puppeteer, um, I didn't know what direction to go in. And it was my mother who sort of guided me, said, well, well, you know, doors will open when you get to the right place. When you're, when you're, when you're on, on, on it, uh, things will happen. Little might be a synchronistic thing, like you were mentioning, That's finding right. the nickel, or. Um, but things will happen. You know, the when my career, um, my career took off at that festival where I had that Native American head. Um, uh, that was. Uh, that I had gone on to a talent stage to show some of my work to my peers to get them to come to this festival. I was a little pretty well unknown. And in the talent show, I had developed a set of animals, puppets carved out of foam, and performed them. And after the performance, um, I got offers to go all over the U.S. to different puppeteers, communities, and, and whatnot to perform uh in the Midwest and in California and the Northeast. And after that, the man who had gone on just before me turned out to be David Sorodiak, who had come to my show in the fifth grade. And, uh, uh, and it was just, it was so synchronistic that he would be it there at that moment. It is synchronistic, and I, I, yeah. I don't believe that that's all coincidence. I, oh, yeah. I firmly believe that the universe is trying to tell us something, that people and situations come into our lives for us to connect with, to learn from, or for us mm-hmm. to teach them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what are you working on now? Well, right now, um, I'm working, um, I've been inspired. Um, I received my mom's uh, great-grand, her, her grandmother's uh, diaries, and so I'm sorry, one of the, you keep going yeah, in and out. Are you okay, moving around? Or? Yeah, I was moving a second. Yeah, so... Uh, I'm going to stand still so I can... Yep, sure enough. Yeah, I, my mother gave me, uh, when I was about 20, she gave me her grandmother's diaries from the 19th century, and uh, they were pretty spectacular. There's an account of her and her husband, who was the entomologist who had written about monarch butterflies, Mm-hmm. Um, got to go, and um, because of his work, they got to go meet Charles Darwin at his home in England. And I wow. have the diary entry of, of the day they go and visit Darwin. And so I'm working on her diaries as a film, sort of an ongoing project of different stories that are, are just wonderful, um, written in the, like, 1870s around then. They, that's when they begin. And... Uh, so now, where uh, where was she living then? They were living in Boston, and uh, her um, her husband's um, mentor and teacher at Harvard, Asa Gray, um, he had been with with my great grandmother's father um, in the 1840s, collecting plant specimens from all over the South, right from the Asheville area that I live in now. In fact, one little obscure area they came and stayed the night, you know, at a little inn, and I would, you know, over 120 years later, I would live, you know, a mile from that little inn. But they were taking these samples, plant samples, and sending them to seven scientists in Europe, and one of them was Darwin. And so, um, so that teacher had written a letter of introduction to Darwin to see if his student and his wife could uh, um, could come and visit them him on their honeymoon, and then it happened. So, it was, um, so I'm working with those materials. Uh, mostly the work I do is for children. Um, I'm not working on a children's production because Seasong was just so recent. Um, but uh, this film project and, an, and a few others are, are things that I'm developing now. And so you use your own voice to create the characters. You create yeah. your own... Um, scenic design. Mm-hmm. So 
I mean, you're more than a puppeteer. As you I know, that, that's, you, you, that's the attraction of puppetry is, you know, there, it, um, there are lots of areas that, um, that you get to be a, a playwright and the scenic designer and you're creating the puppets and then you're maybe creating, uh, you know, uh, a soundtrack. And uh, I think that it's a, a very seductive. Do people go into puppetry? It's, you're really creating a whole world in a way. So it takes lots of different skills, and and that really appealed to me. And you seem to be so multifaceted and talented. You you had told me that you are a visual and spatial person. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, each of us, um, there's, a great, there's a great book about um, how each of us, by Howard Gardner, about... Um, multiple intelligences and Mm -hmm. and how we each have a you know we can if we tap into what is our natural gift um you know my i had a daughter who was very uh um kinesthetic and Mm -hmm. um she would get energy if she was dancing and so we would you know i could do long division on paper with her and she'd go mad but if i did it with sidewalk chalk out on the deck and she's leaping around doing the problem she would get energy. And um, so that's a lot of the work that I do with the Kennedy Center is working with children and the arts really address children's multiple intelligences. So that's, so she's that's a, able to bring in that energy? Yeah. You know, and, and you know, now she's 29 and, and uh, um, you know, can, uh, she's got a little band and uh, with her boyfriend part-time and, and, uh, she tap dances on a box while playing the guitar and uh, singing the song she writes. So uh, she has that kinesthetic ability, that inner body, that when it's kinesthetic, it, um, it, it's it feeds her in some way. And, right. and we all have that. We all have a special area. It might be um, You might be a visual learner um, like myself, or you might be uh, a kinesthetic, or you might be a musical thinker, or... Some people learn very traditionally um, right. from linguistically and whatnot. Um, um, some, another daughter w- learned in social, inter- that a social interaction has to be part of the experience. Um, that was the way she learned as, as a young person. So your daughter, who's 29, mm-hmm. it. When you say she's a kinesthetic, I mean, she's kinesthetic, when I think of that, it's through feeling. It's through yeah, touch. Yeah, through it's movement. Through. It was really movement. And, movement. you know, she was really into dance as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and just so when her body was moving, that's when her her, her, her mind creative was creative juices were flowing. Yeah, that's when it happened for her. And um, for, other, for another one, it was musical. You know, I have three daughters, so they... Um, um, they each learned in different ways. We all and, and uh, garden. I believe we, we all, all learn in different ways. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of the the teaching work I do through Kennedy Center is um, using puppetry, shadow puppetry, particularly because kids can learn it quickly. And then they're working interactively in groups. They're um, they're up on their feet, so there's some kinesthetics to it. There's visual spatial for drawing and whatnot and and most of the arts are just really great at touching on a lot of these different intelligences yes tell me about beatrice uh Be- beatrice yeah beatrice Beat- is my I- little mexican girl uh who's in the uh, story of migration and um Beatrice is actually the the name means butterfly. That's why I chose it. Uh-huh. And uh, I wanted to tell a story about um, just the amazing migration that butterflies take. And so the story begins in a little town in Michoacan, Mexico, west of Mexico City in the high mountains, where the butterflies are headed right now. They go to about five different sites. And she lives in a little town and... and uh, her grandfather teaches her about the butterflies, and then just as she sees her first butterfly coming down in the spring, um, her father and her began, begin uh, 
uh, a migration up into uh, North America um, to work, whereas her dad will work for six months. And so there, her her immigration follows the migration of the butterfly. So the story is telling about her experience um, as an immigrant, but also the uh, the story of animals that migrate to survive. Butterflies, polar bears. Yeah, godwit, a bird that flies uh, up to a week without going to sleep, shuts down half its brain, uh, the polar bear going out onto the polar ice caps, uh, a, sp- a mother sperm whale and her baby. Um, all these stories are all told in her journey along the way. And you created all the puppets for these. Yeah, and it's sort of a... it's Her, her legs hook to my knees, and so I'm dressed in black and disappear, but you see her in kind of a curtain of light and then right before her, between the audience and her, is a very thin veil that um, I have an animation that I've created that she's performing inside this animation. And so it's like you're watching a puppet show inside a cartoon. Um, and a show a, within a, a show. Yeah, well, a technique within a technique, more more right. so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, and it was it was an innovation that I made to create this show. It was one of the you know when I wanted to do this, I wanted to have her traveling and scenery, and I felt like a strong scenery was going to be needed that would really be more than a few scenes, but dozens and dozens of scenes. So you get the movement of her and looking out a bus window and and traveling through, across the country and and uh, and and then these animals traveling. Um, you know, flying over the ocean and whatnot. So all of that is done with uh, taking visual art and then animating it. Um, it was quite a quite a process. I would imagine. I was so fascinated by how lifelike you have made these rod puppets move. Their arms, their legs, their facial expressions, their it's it's an amazing process yeah it it's and it's probably you know the key the key thing my attraction to puppetry is bringing you know that bringing things to life and um wonderful thing that happened sort of in the uh in the creation of the um the monarch butterfly material is as i was exploring and and studying um the word for butterfly in Latin is anima, which was a word I recognized from Carl Jung, um, meaning the soul. But um, following the word back to ancient Greece, where it was the word psyche, and it meant soul, or to breathe life into something. And so the word animation comes from the Latin word for butterfly, which is to breathe life into something. Into the soul. And and that's what... uh, Bring the a soul, big part of my work soul into, on the soul level. Yeah, and so with a puppet, it's you're literally bringing something, breathing life into something, and that's where we get the word animation, putting a soul into something. Um, we and animate you certainly it. do. And that's, that's the, you know, bringing the puppet to life, you know, even as a, even that moment back in fifth grade, you know, seeing these marionettes and sort of touching it and the way it was balanced and hanging from the strings, it looked like it was breathing. I mean, it was, it floored me. And, and that's really the essence of what I try to do. Well, you know, telling stories, but actually just bringing pieces of foam or, or, uh, two dimensional cutout silhouettes to life. And, uh, it's, uh, um, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a shamanic act almost it's a um <laughs> to borrow that word uh um you know i believe shamans at one time back in the cave used bones and skulls and furs and probably were the ones who first discovered puppetry and they would use it in their rituals and magic to heal people to sort of give them a belief in the supernatural um and what might be a clever trick or a magician's sort of trick was used purposely to to create a um, um, in the in the person being healed sort of a, a magical experience that then they 
would give them a belief and um and that would help the their healing process believing in it and uh so um, it's those, been documented there are those that, of us who are energy healers right yeah that and, don't use mm-hmm. all those gizmos but oh yeah as a person yeah. myself who does energy work and yeah i'll talk a little bit about that after your interview but because sure. I'm feeling my hands get warm, so there are people who are receiving healing right now, um, either listening or maybe they're going to try to call in. But when my hands get warm and turn a little bit of red, I know mm-hmm. that that healing energy is coming through me. Right, right, right. And in a sense... You're doing healing work. I mean, what you give to your public, what you give in your workshops, what you give when you do a show, it is healing. There are many ways to deliver healing. I think your daughter is a healer. I mean, in her own in her own way, allowing her music, her dance to flow through her to heal others. Do you know I what think I'm that saying? the arts I think the arts do that in general that that that's what we're we're doing we're, we're trying to to share that creative energy that that we're able to channel not everyone m- may be a, an artist but um you know using your gift uh is an irresistible urge to share it with others to share that magic that we feel in it that um in my in my my purpose in the work I do with children and is to inspire them about nature you know inspire them about the natural world or or the wonder of a story the wonder of a right. myth um that I those, wish those everyone in the creative arts felt that way yeah yeah I but you are do. definitely making such a difference in people's lives. Now, if people would like to reach you, um, you have a Facebook page under Hobie Ford. That's H-O-B-E-Y Ford. That's right, yeah. And also through the agency Lloyd, that's L-O-Y-D, Artists. Mm-hmm. A-R-T-I-S-T-S, and that's mm-hmm. all one word, correct? Lloyd Artist. Yeah, yep, LloydArtist.com. Or if they contact you, you could forward it to me. Absolutely. I would yeah. be delighted. How can how can others watch this wonderful eight-minute video that I've watched? Yeah, well, if they Google my name, Hobie Ford, in PBS, um, the the film comes up right away. And I have to, on PBS. I have, so yeah, it's I have Google to, Hobie, H-O-B-E-Y, Ford, F-O-R-D. Yeah, and PBS. And then go to PBS? Uh, well, if they just search my name in PBS, the uh, film link will come right up. It's the first thing that will come up. And I, ha- I have to share with your listening audience that I met you through your son, Dan, uh, uh, who is a puppeteer. Yes, he is. That's one of his talents and hobbies, and and he's he, he, well. I'm his mother, so I'm very proud of him. <laughs> he is so <laughs> multi-talented, and he himself yeah. started out um, as an illustration major at right, Mass right. College of Art. Right. And that drew him into other areas so it, it's it's interesting yes you saw him recently yeah i met him for the first time in in uh uh off the internet <laughs> yes he loves he loves working with puppets and yeah um, so the best way for people to reach you is through your Facebook page. Yep. 
or LloydArtist.com. Or Lloyd, they can, and uh, Lloyd is with one L, everyone. Right, that's right. That's yeah. L-O-Y-D-A-R-T-I-S-T-S.com. Mm-hmm. And if you want to view this wonderful, wonderful video, go to Google Hobie Ford and PBS, and you've won a PBS award. Well, PBS won an Emmy for the for the program. So, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the the director and videographer, you. yeah, they they it was in their name, and and uh, the, they they shared the honor with me because uh, it was a team effort. But uh, um, yeah, it was their award. But uh, it um, it it was such a wonderful experience working with them on it. Um, they were all artists in their own regard. Each each of them. Is there? Are you moving around again? Because we're no, no. I'm just heavy. sitting right here. No, I'm sitting ah, right here. Interesting. Yep. <laughs> um, if there's one message, because the name of this program is "Discover Your Potential," right? Is there one message you would like to deliver to our listening audience? Yeah, you know, just follow follow your dreams and passions, and. Uh, um, the, they're important. They're they're what I think life is all about. Is is a, uh, um, it's like, uh, and I think it was uh, Young, who talked about an acorn. You know, it has a potential to be a particular kind of oak tree, and and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so our job is to really follow those dreams and passions, and and to to grow to your true true self potential. Um, you know, a lot of times we follow what others tell tell us what we think we right. ought to do. My, so if I had, times. if my father had his way, I would have been a stockbroker, and that that was uh, soul killing to me. I could not do that. <laughs> so follow your dreams. My mother wanted me to be a dental assistant. Well, <laughs> good, and good I was a child performer. <laughs> right. Well, you followed your. You followed your bliss, as, as and then I say. shifted. Then I shifted again to do yeah. my spiritual work. Right, right. Hobie, I can't thank you enough for taking time today. I know you've had a very busy couple of weeks touring and doing your shows. But yeah. Thank yeah. you for today. And well, thanks so hopefully much. Another future. Can, uh, Pardon? Go to YouTube. Uh, go to YouTube and look at my name there, and you can see some of the work. There's a lot of work up on YouTube. Oh, it's on so. YouTube as well. Yeah, sure. They can see my work there. Well, folks who are listening, it's definitely worth. Go to YouTube. Go to the PBS. Hobie's work is absolutely amazing and mesmerizing. Thank and you again, to, uh, Hobie, for your I, pardon. I'm proud that you had. I'm proud that you had me on your uh, your comeback show, and and <laughs> I wish you the best in your in your Thank uh, you. reawakening of your radio uh, program. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. Cindy Gilman is a certified holistic and Reiki and energy practitioner, as well as a spiritual medium. As a spiritual medium and empath, she conducts individual personal consults either by phone or in her office. All sessions are professional and confidential. For a phone consultation or in-office appointment, go to www.cindygilman.com or call 401-885-4115. And we are back. And... uh Doug is with me right now. He has been navigating the program. Uh, If you would like to call in, we only have a few minutes to go. But the number to call in is 888-627-6008. So what did you think about Hobie Ford? Boy, what a talented individual. He is. He's just. Very well spoken as well. Uh, yes, very well read, very well spoken. His, and you must, you must look at this video. Uh, his cre- 
process is, it, as I said, it, it's mesmerizing uh, to dream about the puppets before he even creates them and even the materials he's to use. Wow, yes. Well, that sort of creativity is uh, a blessing indeed. It certainly is. Um, I would like to mention before we go that in two weeks uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful guest, Brian Fox, who is an American painter. If you are a sports fan or an appreciator of the arts, you definitely will want to tune in to uh, hear what Brian Fox has to say. And um, it has been an absolute delight spending this hour with you. I hope that you will join me again. Uh, I've always said there are two types of people, people who affect life and people who let life affect them. So be one of those people who affect life. Do something nice for yourself this week and do something nice for someone else. This is Cindy Gilman here to help you discover your potential. Hello, I am Ron Hayden of Voices Unlimited. I've been writing and voicing radio and television commercials, toys, games, corporate sales and training and so much more for over 25 years nationally and globally. I will write or co-write and voice your radio or TV spots on hold messages or whatever you need in one of my many voices or celebrity voices, custom characters, or an announcer voice. A great gift idea. Have me make a celebrity phone call for a special occasion. Just go to www.ronhayden.com to sample my voice demos. Email me at rhvoices1 at msn.com. I look forward to working with you in a high voice, a low voice, or just my voice.